Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I am your host, Sean Terrell. And in this episode, we continue our discussion about required minimum distributions or RMDs. If you missed our episode about RMDs last month, it was episode 70. And it might be helpful to go back and listen to that episode first, just because it has a lot of general information about required minimum distributions that might be helpful to understand as a baseline, uh, first and foremost, because in this episode, we're going to get deeper into strategy and talk about why it might be important to put together a game plan related to your RMDs. More specifically, we will look at the upside to having a strategy, the downsides of not having a strategy, and we'll end with the best time to implement these strategies related to your required minimum distributions. Just a reminder before we get started, our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists leaving clinical with the financial piece of that transition. With things like figuring out RMDs and with other ways to reduce that massive lifetime tax bill and on how to optimize living off of your assets. If you are interested in guidance on your taxes and your income as you exit clinical, you can schedule an initial consultation with us on our website, which is DentistExit.com. Again, no obligation for that initial consultation, which can be scheduled at DentistExit.com. And with that introduction, let's dive into why it's critical to have a strategy for your required minimum distributions. The big reason why it's advantageous to have a strategy for your required minimum distributions is because it gives you the best chance to pay the least amount of taxes over your lifetime. That's our philosophy when it comes to tax planning, and it's probably good to start with this as a reminder. As it relates to taxes, we believe the objective should be to pay the smallest total amount of taxes over someone's lifetime, even if that means someone pays more in taxes in a given year than they otherwise would have to. Let me try to give a, a real simple example for this. Let's say a retired dentist plans to withdraw exactly $100,000 per year from his or her pre-tax account each year for the first five years in retirement. Let's also assume that with this hypothetical uh, dentist and withdrawal strategy that the tax due on that $100,000 each year is $20,000 or a 20% tax rate. And I'm just using round numbers here for easier math. So in this scenario, at the end of that five years, this dentist would have withdrawn $500,000 total and the tax due in total on that withdrawal would be $100,000. Let's say this dentist also has a longtime buddy from dental school that is trying to accomplish the same thing, but the buddy learns of a strategy that can take that $100,000 total tax bill due in the next five years and whittle it down a little bit by implementing an intentional strategy. This hypothetical intentional strategy would involve paying $25,000 in taxes each year for the next two years, but then only paying $15,000 in taxes per year for the following three years. So if you do the math on that second scenario, that's $95,000 total in taxes over that five-year period, as opposed to $100,000 total in taxes over the first five-year period or the, the amount that was due in that first scenario. So that's a really basic high-level example of using a strategy and being intentional with tax planning in a way that allows someone to pay less taxes over the long haul, even if it means they pay a little bit more in taxes in the short term than they otherwise would have had to do. So 
the biggest reason or the biggest upside to having a strategy for your required minimum distributions is that it gives you the best chance to pay the least amount of taxes total over your lifetime. So try to make that straightforward. Hopefully it makes sense for the audience listening in. So what's the downside to not having a strategy for required minimum distributions? What's the downside for being reactive instead of proactive about impending RMDs? Well, there are several examples of how not having a plan for RMDs could increase even further the amount of taxes you have to pay in total over your lifetime. We mentioned in the previous podcast about RMDs that the minimum percentage you are required to withdraw actually increases each year as you age. So all things being equal, you have to take a little bit more out of these RMD accounts each year than the previous year as you continue to age. And this is just the IRS's way of forcing money out of these accounts to make you pay taxes on them or on the money and to generate revenue for the US government. So over time, in practice, someone's taxable income will increase each year, all things being equal, as they age as a direct result of this strategy. And then that can have sort of a snowball effect on the amount of taxes you pay on other things in retirement. Two examples are your Medicare Part B premium and then also your Social Security. So your Medicare Part B premium in retirement is based on your other taxable income. So if your taxable income increases each year as a result of your increasing required minimum distributions as you age, that's possible or it's possible that you sort of backdoor your way into, so to speak, paying more in taxes for Medicare Part B than you otherwise would have had to do. Same thing with how much of your Social Security benefit is taxable. The amount of tax that you have to pay on your Social Security benefit in retirement is based on your other taxable income from other sources. Some people receive Social Security and owe no tax on the benefit that they get. Other people have to pay taxes on up to 85% of their Social Security benefit. Just to drive this point home and clarify it, they're not in an 85% tax bracket, but rather 85% of the Social Security benefit that someone receives at a maximum can be taxable. Now, to be fair, the income threshold for Social Security hitting that 85% threshold and making 85% of it taxable is, is pretty low. You could make the argument that someone living an average dentist's lifestyle would easily surpass that income threshold. And it's sort of just a moot point that all that Social Security income is gonna be taxable anyway, so what's the point? But there are ways with intentional proactive planning to generate a significant level of income off of investments in retirement and still pay no taxes on Social Security. It just takes a little bit more on the front end, a little bit more work and a little bit more planning. Again, not overwhelmingly likely for someone living an average dentist lifestyle in retirement, but still uh, very much possible. And then the other big downside to not having an RMD strategy in place is that it may increase the amount of taxes that your beneficiaries have to pay on set accounts after you pass away. Now, if you ask someone if they would rather receive an inheritance that had taxes due instead of not receiving any inheritance at all, they're going to take they're going to take the money, they're going to take the gift. But if you are looking to maximize the impact of the gift that you leave behind to others, other people or other things someday, then having a strategy in place for required minimum distributions while you're still here, uh, that's a good way to do that. All right. Are you ready for some good news? At least I think it's good news. The best news about required minimum distributions and deferred taxes in general for retirement is that 
you actually have a pretty big window to plan for and create a strategy around all of these pieces. If you think about it, if you're still practicing dentistry and you have several good income years in a row, there are some things that you can do to offset your tax bill while you're actively working, like maxing out profit sharing plans or even creating a cash balance plan if you're high six figures or pushing seven figures in annual income. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's really only so much you can do on an annual basis to control your tax bill from earned income uh, besides consciously deciding to work less and earn less. But with your deferred income accounts in retirement, now you have a huge time window to figure out how and when to best take that money out as income in retirement. So the age that most people can access money in deferred accounts without penalty is currently age 59 and a half. There are a few exceptions about how to get the money out sooner without penalty, but we're going to keep it simple for today and just use 59 and a half. At the other end of the spectrum, the age at which you are required to start taking minimum distributions was just increased, actually. It's age 73 if you were born in 1951 or later. And it's actually age 75 if you're, you were born in 1960 or later. So if you're listening to this and you have not yet started taking required minimum distributions from your tax-deferred accounts, you may have as long as 13 years to implement a strategy and figure out some of these things and the best ways for you to pay the least amount of taxes over your lifetime. The key is not to eliminate all of your tax-deferred accounts or take the money out of your tax-deferred accounts before you even get to your RMD age. I think really this is more about making sure that RMDs are under control or they're manageable before you hit 73. That way you're not hit with some runaway train and an unexpectedly high tax bill kind of hits you in the face. So you can get really creative with how and when to implement a plan to start taking money out of these accounts over that 13-year window that we talked about. At one end of the spectrum, you could withdraw all the money in your tax-deferred accounts in a single day and take all that deferred income as taxable income in a single year. In most cases, this is going to be the best way to pay the highest amount of taxes on all that deferred money as you possibly can. So I don't recommend it. I just mentioned it as an extreme example at one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is not doing anything and just having to take the RMDs that you have to take with whatever the account balances are once you hit your RMD age. But the way I like to think about it, the best way to do this would be to have a strategy and be really creative and intentional about how and when you take money out of your tax-deferred accounts, all based on your specific circumstances and the life events that you have post-clinical based on what tax rates are now and also based on what we know tax rates are going to be in the future, as well as any other factors that are out there that make sense to consider. So just as an example of this, as an example of figuring out a strategy for taking RMDs during that 13-year time horizon between when you can take the money out and when you have to take the money out, a silly analogy I've been thinking about lately related to this is this is all a little bit similar to draining water out of an above-ground swimming pool. So let's say someone has an above-ground swimming pool, and it's got ten or 15,000 gallons of water in it, and it needs to be drained sometime in the next 13 days. Maybe there's a draconian homeowners association rule associated with swimming pools, and the, the pool's got to go, so the water has to come out soon. So Instead of 13 years taking the money out of the uh, tax-deferred accounts, we have 13 days to take the money, or excuse me, to take the water out of this uh, hypothetical 
swimming pool. So just like my extreme example a second ago about taking all the money out of your RMD accounts at once, you could do the same thing with the swimming pool. You could chop a chop a hole in the side and let the 10,000 gallons of water spill everywhere and see what happens. But that's probably not an ideal strategy if you don't want your lawn to be completely swamped and look terrible after you're done. Conversely, you could get strategic about taking a little water out of the pool at different points during that 13-day period, whatever makes sense for your set of circumstances. Let's say at the beginning of this hypothetical 13-day period, it hasn't rained for a few weeks and your lawn is already looking pretty brown. You could be a little bit more aggressive with how much water you take out early on to bring your lawn back to life without creating a swamp and releasing all the water at once. And then let's say a few days later, it actually does rain. And so rather than create a bunch of mud, you decide not to take any water out of the pool on the days that it rains from the sky. And then a few days after that, you're having a barbecue at your house and you don't want to mess in the yard for the barbecue. So you don't take any water out then. And then maybe it gets hot and dry again. And some of the water in the pool actually evaporates thanks to Mother Nature. Uh, I don't know anything about evaporation rates of standing water, but you sort of get the idea. Maybe uh, just because of good circumstances, uh, you don't have to drain 10,000 gallons. You only have to drain 9,000 gallons because of the evaporation rate. Anyways, I don't want to get too carried away with the analogy, but hopefully you can kind of understand and get the idea that I'm that I'm going for here, that if you have a good time horizon and you're a little bit proactive, you can figure out how to best take money out of these tax-deferred accounts in a way that you don't get killed in taxes because you unintentionally create massive required minimum distributions for yourself down the road. So for you, it really gets down to just figuring out a strategy that works best for you and your situation based on when you want to leave clinical and what you want your lifestyle to look like after clinical and how much you want to help other people out down the road and how generous you want to be long term. So uh, with that, let's let's wrap things up. We've covered why it's important to have a strategy for RMDs. We've covered the downsides of not having a strategy for required minimum distributions. And we've covered how to think about the timing and how to think about creating and implementing an RMD strategy that works best for someone in their individual set of circumstances. Thanks for paying attention and, and following along thus far. That will do it for this episode of Dentists, Puns and Money. I hope you have found this information useful and helpful, and we will talk to you all again very, very soon. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like a treatment plan for the financial components of your exit from clinical? Our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists like you reduce taxes in retirement and optimize how to best live off your assets, including the ideal time for you to start taking Social Security. If you'd like guidance on those critical pieces or just a second opinion, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com and there's no obligation for your initial consultation. That website again, dentistexit.com. As a reminder, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. 
It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. Please consult with your accountant and attorney for tax and legal advice. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment, tax planning, or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.